welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name's Ray Heron, and for the first time in a very long time, joined by the one and only Matthew Day Gillett. G'day, Matt. How you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I've got um, some time alone at home. The wife's taking the family for a visit, so... Um yeah, I have no responsibilities at home other than uh, cleaning the place up. So, and you got nothing better to do than uh, jump on a Zoom call and record a podcast. I wouldn't say nothing better to do, but um, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's good fun. I've missed this, man. Uh, I keep thinking oh, I need to start making time, and each time I start having those thoughts, um, one of the children gets clingy and decides to ruin bedtime. So, um, yeah, one day I'll get back to the regularly podcasting uh, scheduled podcast, but yeah, one day. <laughs> That's all right. As long as you keep providing the news at onthrottle.co.nz, we won't have a problem. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Later on in the show, we're going to be I'm going to be yarning about uh, my Krieger luggage. I've had it for about four months now, and I'll let you know my thoughts on that. But um, we usually we kick things off with a news segment, but uh, because we've got you, Matt, well, let's just yarn um, about what we've been up to, what, what uh, is coming up, and, and uh, why are you holding a spanner? Uh, because I'm one of those people that just fiddles with things, and it was on my desk, so <laughs> I have a spanner. I'm just I'm sitting here in my nice warm lounge, and Ray's standing there in his garage, and he's waving a spanner at me. You know? <laughs> and a big puffy That's jacket. It's very distracting. Um, <laughs> first up, Matt, you've been doing a bit of maintenance. Did you talk to spec? I did, but not on the sump plug. Uh, so um, as we... Some of our listeners may know, about this time last year, I was um, real excited. I got Rosie the Rally back um, after lockdown. Um, I put it in storage and for the birth of my uh, second kid. Got it back into service and talked to the sump plug and came very close to ruining my engine. And um, just changed my oil for the first time since. Um, it was looking pretty black and the new stuff looks suspiciously a lot like vegetable oil. Um <laughs> And um, anyway, so yeah, it's um, the sump plug is not talk to spec. It is um, as instructed by um, KR publisher Veggie. Um, do it up with your hands and then snug it. Um, snug it up. So that's snug. Um, though the uh, oil filter cover, that is talk to spec, 10 newton metres. Nice and easy, nice and light, hard to over talk. Nice. So uh, Rosie the Rally had a bit of a birthday, did engine oil and filter. And did you do something with the brakes too? Um, that is on tomorrow's list because it was getting cold outside. Because, um, um, yeah, my my garage is technically my rumpus room. Um, and it's filled with things that I'd rather not get brake fluid on or get the smell of oil pervading through so i have to do everything outside on the driveway so um yeah it gives me gives me something to do tomorrow really have you been riding much lately not at all i haven't ridden since i rode that harley davidson live wire um which um mostly comes down to um, not lack of desire but lack of time um my weekends have been pretty chock full um this winter and everything and um yeah haven't um even put registration on it though i We'll have to do that at some point soon because um, Father's Day is coming up and I've got a plan for that. Ah, Father's Day. So I've heard that the uh, the cold kiwi is happening in uh, around Ruapehu. Are you um, doing anything with that or do you prefer not to? Yeah, that's the plan. Um, I haven't bought a ticket yet, um, but the dad's keen and um, the wife's agreed to it a long time ago and because last year was cancelled, it's... Um, Definitely on the priorities list. So, um, yeah, we just need a new chain and sprockets for Rosie the Rally because um, they're looking a bit sad. 
and um, we'll be all hunky-dory and ready to go. Nice. I haven't, uh, I, I've been asked if I'm going to the cold kiwi. I haven't committed yet. Um, but, yeah, there's still plenty of time. What are we, just at the start of July now, and it's not till the first Sunday or the first weekend of September? Yeah, so you got a month to decide, really. Uh, yeah, i only been there once, and um, I really enjoyed it, and have sworn ever since, it was, what, 26, 2017 that I went. Uh, Dad and I went down together with a mate, and... Um, yeah, I've been trying to go back ever since, and the stars have not aligned. So hopefully this year they do. Hmm, nice. Should we talk about what's coming up for our next weekend? Yes, which will be a nice segue into some other things that I do want to bring up as well. So next weekend, um, you're going to fly to Wellington, then we're both flying to Nelson. Yes. Um, are we allowed to, shall we say what we're doing in Nelson? We're obviously not riding the rainbow again because that's closed. Uh, for the season. Are we allowed to? Um, I can only assume we're allowed to. I don't think I'd want to <laughs> with how those rivers... No, 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 not the, sorry, not the rainbow. Are we allowed to say why we're going to Nelson? Yes, we are allowed to say. Sorry. Um, yeah, we're going to ride the new Harley-Davidson Pan America and somehow we both scored an invite. So that's pretty awesome. Oh, can you hear that? Can you hear that? that that's the sound of a thousand haters. Oh, Definitely. Um, as for the reviews from overseas, um, from uh, it was in Kiwi Rider, what, two issues ago? Um, the reviews from overseas have been quite stellar, really. Um, so be- If you're not fully clued up, the, the Pan America is Harley Davidson's brand new adventure bike. It's the one that we've been talking about for probably the best part of 18 months, two years. It's it, It's got that big square nose, although... After looking at it for so many months and now getting the chance to go and ride it, I don't think it's got that big square nose or the big square nose doesn't look as prominent as it used to. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. It's like how we always say um, every time Sabari brings out a new car, it makes the old ones look great. Um, (laughs) um, As time goes by, you get used to things. I don't think it looks that bad. Um, And apparently once you get to see it in person, it looks a lot better according to Boris. Um, so we will see, I guess. Um, I'm really excited. I haven't ridden anything near as um, techy. I'm hoping we get to ride the specials with the uh, self-adjusting suspension. Um, but it will be very interesting. We're riding, um, and obviously, I guess, we'll uh, bring this to the full launch to you next week. Yeah, why not? We'll record live on the launch and bring it to the listeners, what's and all. And then a couple of weeks later, we might even um, we might even uh, repurpose the Kiwi Rider story or the, your story, maybe, uh, and turn that into a podcast as well. So we we not only get first thoughts and raw, uh, you know, raw editorial, but we get that um, that polished uh, overall story as well on what the um, yeah, what's the adrenaline and like. uh, all the beers we're off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. So um, next week will be a, a talk fest. It'll be a lot of words. Hopefully we'll record some live audio on the bike. Uh, and look out on social media as well because we'll do some Facebook Live stuff. We'll get some photos up. We'll, we'll do the whole thing. Yeah, it's going to be awesome fun. Nelson to Blenheim. Um, they haven't given us the specifics of the route, but we know we're going via Port Underwood again. So um be interesting to see how um, corrugated that road is. We know that, do we? Sorry? Port Underwood, we know that, do we? I, I, I you, literally, you know more than me about this. I don't know anything apart from the fact we're, we're flying to Nelson and we're leaving from Blenheim. So I can only assume. I don't think we'll be doing. Um, I don't think we'll be doing Mangatapu, but I reckon we'll be going up 
that that coastal road that goes north from Nelson down through Polaris Bridge through Havelock and then maybe I'm assuming that that beautiful uh, 50k road that we did around to Queen Charlotte Drive yeah Char- okay that'd be a great one for photos I think um surely someone's planned it um nicely um yeah I'm really looking forward to it I would be very surprised if they took us over the Mangatapu um particularly trying to get the bikes through that gate. Um, yeah, I've seen a couple of guys, especially, uh, I can't remember the dude's name, but a guy that lives in Blenheim. Uh, he went and did Mogatapu probably about a month ago on his uh, big 1200 GS. And I went, wow, good work on that. Yeah, it almost looks like the, um, what is it? The embankment next to that gate's eroded away somewhat to fit a barge that big through. Um, but he was real keen. I saw that as well. Um no, it'll be um, probably, it's an adventure touring bike. It's not a hardcore adventure bike like, say, a KTM 1290 Adventure R. So it's more towards that touring side. So I imagine there's going to be a fair bit of road case, some gravel case, nothing too um, overly adventurous. But it'll be fun because, hey, it'll be the first time using that uh, new 1250 motor, uh, the Revolution Max, they call it, 150 horsepower on tap. Uh, should be, um, well, it's definitely a nice big jump from me. Uh, going from 24 mighty horses um so um yeah should be good fun so if we if we want to draw if we want to draw a parallel to something that a lot of listeners probably know i assume we're probably talking the 1200 or 1250 r1200 r1250 gs not gsa Um, do you reckon yeah i don't I don't know. I can't even. I think it's got what a twenty-one or twenty-two liter fuel tank. So yeah, probably GS HP, like with spoked wheels and um, a bit of sparkly bits on it, but not GSA, which has enough uh, fuel in it to go to the moon and back. Um, but yeah, compared very sharply priced. I think it's like might even be slightly cheaper than the base GS. Um, so um, yeah, we'll all. I, which is interesting, considering what um, what HD did with the Livewire, where they kind of overpriced it for the market and then didn't didn't sell many, right? Yeah, they. Um, I haven't checked the latest figures, but um, I think they've sold two in New Zealand. Uh, there's about eight registered, <laughs> so um, and most of those are press bikes or um, fleet bikes. So um, yeah, it's pricing. I think they've got spot on. Um, for where it's at, um, it'll just be really interested, really interesting to see if Harley can shake that um, Harley Davidson stigma. Because um, more about the live wire again shortly, though. Um, just before we do get off the topic of the Pan America, um, Harley Davidson, they're kind of, and I saw this in the marketing that came out probably about three, two, three months ago. They're they're saying they're kind of going with the angle that they've always been an adventure bike. People got these Harleys and they just took them off-road or they just took them because that was the bike they had. They went anywhere they want. And they're kind of saying, hey, guys, we've always been adventure, but this is kind of a, an adventure adventure bike. It, the angle they're using is quite cunning, I think. Yeah, it's um, playing on their history, which is one of the things they've got going for them is they've got, what, hundred nearly 120 years of history um so um yeah like back in the day there were no roads so every bike was an adventure bike and every ride was an adventure um yeah i think they're playing it almost a bit too too much but um what else were they going to do like they can't just be like we're harley davidson and we're now about adventure um it's their only adventure bike um so we will see um how it performs 
and um, the hype is real, won't we? And you've probably seen a bit more than I have about the hate about Harley Davidson. I mean, it's not it's not a chrome plated bobber or anything like that, is it? So, what, what are you what are you seeing from people? social media and you know the community around the country about this bike yeah it's best not to look at the comments <laughs> um, it's one of those classic things there's just i don't know what it is seems this year in particular i've been noticing a lot more anti-harley sentiments um, online and it could just be because um i don't know maybe people are harley's doing so much and they're so prominent in the news and they've got all this other stuff going on um maybe people are just piling on or um maybe it's just that classic um i ride x you ride y you're wrong um argument but um honestly like i used to be like that um i used to say if i ever owned a harley davidson i wanted my friends to kick me squarely in the nuts because i'd gone mad but harley's changed as a brand since 2012 that would have been and we've matured since two two thousand and twelve as well. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I I I rode a couple of Harley's uh, towards the end of last year. Was it last year or was it early this year? Whenever it was, um, and I I'd never ridden a Harley before, and I went into Motomart here in Lower Hutt, who are the Harley dealer, and I said, I want to ride a Harley. I want to know what this hype is about, and they gave me that fantastic FXDR, which I got to say, if I'm going to have a Harley, that's what I want up to this point where I haven't ridden the Pan America or the Livewire. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a shame they discontinued that brilliant FXDR. Um, <laughs> it didn't sell enough. Um, it was a beautifully selfish bike is um, what I remember out. It's solo seat, thumping great big engine. Uh, the only negative for it was it had like that ram intake, ram, ram air, air intake. It was right on the inside of your right knee. Yeah, it was so awkwardly positioned. But um, yeah. Harley has a habit of doing stuff like that. So hopefully um, there's no no quirks with the ergonomics of the Pan America. It's, um, things I'm looking for are, is it a bike that you can get on and enjoy all day? Nothing's going to annoy you. Um, how does that new engine perform? Is it lots of torque down low or does it scream like um, got so many questions and I really, really want to ride and try out that um, first in the motorcycle world adaptive ride height suspension. So I really hope our bikes have that because like I'm not the tallest bloke. Um, I'm a bit short on the inseam and um, the idea of a 250 kilo plus bike um, and a gravel surface, surface doesn't really appeal to me. So anything that can get my feet closer to the ground will be much appreciated. That is the problem I find on the on the T seven is it's just a fraction too high, and if the ground's like if I've come to a stop and find my try and put my right foot down, and I find it just a little hollow, the the, the bike's going over, and so yeah, your adaptive. I've actually even thought about lowering the T seven occasionally, um, just that fraction little bit because if it was as low as say or half as low as say the the MT seven, then you wouldn't have a problem, but um. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the reason why I've dropped the MT, the the Tenere seven hundred a couple of times, and I'm sticking <laughs> to that story. That's that's, that's what's happening there. Um, other things happening in the world of Harley Davidson, and I was going to mention something before, and it's disappeared out of my brain. 
Uh, well, we're going to see next week um, uh, on Wednesday or Thursday morning. They're revealing the next bike to feature the Revolution Max engine. That's right. Yeah, so you mentioned that Revolution Max engine and they're teasing uh, that it's going into another bike. You've been saying on your website that uh, – well, you've been saying something. What have you been Sportster. saying on your website? That's, it's Sportster, um, that's right. Yeah, I'm angling for as probably the new Sportster or the new bike to take the Sportster nameplate. So they discontinued the Sportster in New Zealand and Australia this year with one of the last overseas markets to um, have them. Um, well, they announced it anyway. They haven't been in um, Europe for ages because of um, the Europe emissions laws. And um, yeah, my thought is it's either going to be one of two things. It's going to be um, going by the photos. It's going to be the new Sportster or it's going to be sort of something to go up against the Indian FTR 1200. Um, sort of, it's got a big upswept pipe going by that um, teaser photo. So it could be a tracker style cruiser thing. Uh, it'll be real interesting to see what it is. Um, so we can obviously talk about this um, next week when we're uh, sitting around talking about Pan America and Harley Davidson's more, but um, it's going to be very exciting to see what that bike is and if it's going to be the new sports stuff. I don't think you're far off the money. When you look at the photos that Harley Davidson are using to tease that, that tank, that's a low swept tank. It looks, it, it could be an FX, uh, FTR. sorry, what was the um, FTR? That's the one. It could be the side profile of an FTR tank. So I think, I, I reckon you're, you're not far off the money. Uh, I can't comment because, you know, this far better than I do. But, um, it, it uh, yeah, I, I, it's interesting that they're using that engine that we haven't ridden yet in the Pan America, that they're using it in this unknown bike. So Yeah, so it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, we'll see, find out everything we need uh, next week. So we'll have a yarn about it. Um, not on the side of the road, because we'll be all excited talking about the Pan America, but uh, maybe around a uh, bar table with a couple of beers. Because uh, yeah, uh, will be joining us. Three o'clock in the morning, one day next week, that they're revealing it. Yeah, I'm not getting up that early. <laughs> I'll just get up at my usual 5.36 whenever the kids decide to wake me up and then I'll um, do it. But it's an international, global, we're revealing it at this time. Um, but yeah, I think it, you're right. It's about three o'clock in the morning, New Zealand time. And um, they're doing it. And they're also doing something a little bit different that um, not many motorcycle brands do, where they, they're, they're doing a global launch and inviting the public to this global launch, where, I mean, the last few launches that I've been to have been um, Triumph, and they're kind of behind closed doors. There's still a Zoom call, but, you know, you get on on board with the, the CEO or whoever it is and the uh, the marketing team and the design team and they, they they reveal the bike and they tell you everything you want to know and they say, actually, that's great. You can't t- talk about this in the media, though, for another three days. Yeah, so um, yeah, there's <laughs> pros and cons to both methods. So um, obviously Harley's one is it's a great big global thing. Um, they will have given an embargo to certain media outlets, say motorcyclenews.com and motorcycle dot com or something like that those big outlets they'll probably have a sneak preview and they'll have a story up immediately uh the rest of us plebs get to get up either early or get up whenever and we can read about it then but there's none none of that interaction like so you mentioned the triumph ones where that's a group of us in the media up on a zoom call and we're talking to the guys at the triumph factory um that's us and we can actually talk to them whereas harley it's more of a presentation 
Um, so um, yeah, there's no back and forth with the Harley. It's this is what's going on. This is our thing. Where Triumph is more divulging in their method, um, but it's interesting. It's different brands doing things differently. Um, I wonder which. One more thing on the Harley subject. Um, now we did mention Livewire uh, a little bit uh, earlier on. But Livewire, we've known for probably the last couple of months that this that Harley's spinning the Livewire brand off to be its own thing, and by the looks of it, we've got our first Livewire bike. Yeah, and they're calling it the One, which um, Harley just released this. We're recording this on a Friday evening, and we just got a press release in about an hour ago. Um, I had a brief look through it and everything. There's no photos of what the bike looks like. It's going to be unveiled at some um, motorcycle show in LA in a week or so's time. Um, my money is on it is the Livewire as we know it, uh, rebranded for this new Livewire brand. Cause and they're definitely redoing the marketing on it. I mean, this press release says, and I'll give you a couple of lines of it verbatim, a bike for the urban rider with personality and soul. Eh, it's marketing jazz, but urban rider, we found that out, or well, you found that out trying to ride it to Rotorua. A bike with a pulse, a haptic heartbeat, adding a touch of humanity to electricity. Uh, digitally. Yeah, so that's, um, the, uh, that actually is, like, the Livewire does have a heartbeat. It's like it sends this haptic feedback through the seat to let you know it's turned on. Um, so if you sit on it at like a traffic light or whatever, it, it sort of pulses um, like a heartbeat. It's um, bizarre, but it's quite cool. But that's another thing that makes me think this is just the live wire as we know it under a new name. <laughs> Digitally connected stream directions, monitor alerts and track your recharge status. Well, we know you can do that already. That's their um HDM. that's their their integration system. Yeah, it's and charging time 45 minutes from 80%. That's exactly what the current live wire is on a fast charger. Um range 100 and something miles. The interesting thing is it's had a massive price cut. Um so when it, Came out in America. Oh, has it? Um, it was launched at around twenty-eight thousand US dollars, and I will just bring up on my phone what the um, new pricing is. So I went from twenty-eight thousand US dollars down to twenty-one triple nine. Um, so it's what six thousand. Well, that's quite a big cut. That's yeah, six and a bit thousand. Yeah, so um, be very interesting to see if that helps move any of them. Um, but yeah. I've, Wondering if any of the if these bikes are literally live wires that have already been produced that are just going to get a new um, set of plastics with the new live wire branding and just sent out the door as the live wire one. Mm. It'd be, it's definitely something to watch. So we'll bring um, bring updates on that to the party when we get more information. But as we said, that's literally a press release on an email that well, I received at 6.58 this evening, which as we're recording is about two and a bit hours ago. Um, hey, more, more that, that pretty much rounds us off, I think, as far as Harley-Davidson goes. Listen in next week for the, uh, the launch of that Pan America, and you're going to hear that, that that is the New Zealand launch, and we are going to be the first media outlet to cover that because uh, the launch is happening on the Saturday, and the podcast will go out on the Thursday. So I will bust a gut to get that out to you. But uh, something that's not Harley-Davidson-centric, Matt, you uh, sent me a link uh, of a swish new BMW electric scooter, but there's some bad news. 
Yes, so BMW have this new, um, they unveiled it this week. It's called the CE04, um, and it's a really funky looking, um, <coughs> excuse me, it's a real funky looking urban scooter. Um, it's electric. Um, we seem to have a bit of a theme here. Um, but we're not getting it in New Zealand, and there's a couple of reasons why. Um, so I, um, when I saw this, I sort of sent the usual email off to the local distributor for BMW, that's Europe Imports, and um, just said, hey, uh, awesome looking bike, are we getting it in New Zealand? And the reply came back, um, short answer, no. <laughs> um, and called up uh, Nick Lewis, who's the manager there, and um, he explained to me um, reasons why we're not going to get it. And it comes down to a couple of things. So the first reason why um, we're not likely to, well, we're not going to get it. Um, oh, there's two big reasons. We're not going to get the CE04 in New Zealand. Um, first one being a lack of demand for electrical motorcycle products, particularly in the premium segment. Um, we've seen that with the live wire that just hasn't been able to shift them. Um, BMW have already have an electric bike in their lineup, another electric scooter, something Evolution, I can't remember its name. Um, and that is not quite as techy as this new thing. And that would have been priced at around 25 grand if they brought it in. Um, but the second reason is a lot more practical. And um, sorry, I've lost Zoom. Um, yes, yeah, so the second reason is a lot more practical and it um, involves the dealers, so the, the people on the ground floor um, out there pushing the bikes out the door and it's all to do with the investment they have to make and for one bike it doesn't make financial sense, at least not yet. But um, So when you say the investment they have to make, I'm assuming uh, in charging infrastructure and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, so they need charging infrastructure, they need specialty tools specialty workshop space uh specialty training for the technicians um and yeah it all adds up very very quickly um so with just one bike that is on the face of it not likely to sell huge numbers um yeah bmw motorrad new zealand have sort of decided well we're going to hold off until the bmw motorrad electric range grows to a point where we can justify it to the dealers um that the investment will pay off, um, which is fair enough, to be honest. And I think a lot of other manufacturers will be um, coming up against the same um, problems and issues because we saw when the Livewire was um, released, only two dealerships took on Livewire status. That was Road and Sport in Hamilton and Auckland Harley-Davidson. They're the only two places you can buy a Livewire in New Zealand. Um, huge investment they needed three-phase power they needed a charging outlet on the walls they needed the workshop space the training etc um and it's not paid off for them yet um, but hopefully in the future so long as electrification is still the way to go um hopefully for those dealers and um for the rest of the industry hopefully it um, starts to turn I tell you what's going to be a turning point, uh, and we we covered the story a couple of months ago as well. Is that uh, that that I don't know what the word is that conglomerate of different companies coming together on the cartel, a, the cartel. Thank you of yes. uh, coming together on converging technologies as far as uh, batteries and connections and all that sort of jazz for electric uh, motorcycles. Battery tech. So, um, yeah. So we're talking yeah, Yamaha, so P- Piaggio. Uh, KTM, Hon- oh, you said Honda, Yamaha, 
um, big names in the industry. Um, Piaggio is going to be the first, I think, to debut the technology. They've got a scooter that's going to use swappable battery tech. Um, so that's another option. But again, the dealers still have to deal with these bikes and um, they've got huge amp loads in those batteries. And um, if your technician doesn't know what they're doing and they short circuit it to themselves, um, they're toast, quite literally. So, um, yeah. And it seems a lot of companies are trying to make this happen, but a lot of companies are also falling over. You look at... Um uh, there was actually there was a video recently, uh, Fortnite uh, covered, and, and a whole bunch of electric motorcycle brands who we've heard of have fallen over and are no longer you know in the game. So you've got to you got to take your hat off to Harley Davidson for doing something and sticking with it, even if they are spinning the live wire off. But I can't wait to see what uh, the cartel come together on as far as uh, the swappable tech. I mean, can you imagine a, a WR derivative with an electric uh, engine that kind of lasts and you can go and do a whole trail ride or at least a couple of hours of a trail ride? Yeah, that's exciting. That would be cool. And an inter- actually an interesting an interesting um, idea on that uh, electric bike uh, scene and a reason why we're not seeing a lot of range is, um, and it was brought up on that Fortnite video, was the, the fact that cars can be as streamlined as you like, but at the end of the day, motorcycles, uh, we are what we are. <laughs> we're not getting any slimmer, you know, we're still a human on top of a piece of electricity uh, and, and, and mechanicalness. And I, um, the, the reason why this came to mind was I saw on your um, website the uh, the radical WMC EV prototype, which looks very streamlined. Uh, yeah, the straw on wheels. <laughs> yeah, it's um, that's a very interesting concept. Doesn't look particularly comfortable. You look very Burt Munro's almost laying down on the bike. Um, very very interesting to see that thing pop up on YouTube and see how that um, performs. Set to go over 400 kilometers an hour. Yeah. And that's uh, just, I'm assuming, I mean, it's obviously got a bit of grunt behind it, but a lot of that's down to its streamline, streamlined and um, aerodynamics. Yeah, definitely. It's um, yeah, it's a weird looking bike, but um, hey, if it does the job, it's, um, hey, you, you never know what we're going to see, that sort of stuff. But yeah, traditional comfy sit up. So you've got the vision if you're commuting. Um, I'm thinking scooters, standards and everything. The human body's a stale. It is going to impact on range, but then so is the temperature, um, ambient weather, um, how heavy you are on the throttle, if you've got hills to use battery um, regenerative braking. Um, there's so many factors that go into um, EV life. It's not as straightforward. It's definitely not to be something to be afraid of. Um, but it's a different mindset to just jumping on a bike and, oh, I've got gas, cool, I'm sweet. And the people that are uh, against the electric bikes, I, I, to be honest, I find are the same people who are against anything new from Harley-Davidson and anything that's not the brand they ride. I mean, you can come up with a story behind, you know, for, for a scenario for any brand or manufacturer that the person who rides the um, the KTM 890 Adventure R, where anything that's not orange is not their cup of tea, or the person who rides the Harley-Davidson and anything that's not Harley is wrong. You know, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, there's, I think, yeah, one of the problems with the motorcycle industry is it is so tribal and it's almost like we're almost regressing into a more tribal state. Like there's all these companies doing these great things. So KTM is doing that um, World Adventure Week at the moment as we're recording. 
um, open to all, anyone. You, all you needed was to download the affiliate app and you could win a super adventurous. Um, and yeah, um, like we're seeing launch um, events like the Triumph Tiger Adventure Ride because I happen to be wearing the shirt and I remember that we went on that um, and stuff open up to all brands. And then it's like there's this kickback where people are going, no, 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 I don't want that. I just want to hang out with people that write exactly what I do. Um, I suppose it's human nature. Well, we used to do the same, Matt, years ago when we were into Subarus and the event was a Subaru-only event and you couldn't come unless you drove a Subaru. But things, I think, in that scene are changing and it's more of a modified car scene or at least a, a boxer scene where any any vehicle that drives with a boxer engine can go to that event. I like what we did with the Triumph event where Triumph opened it up to other brands. The BMW event um, towards the end of last year was the same where it was it was uh, it was encouraged that you come on a BMW but if you happen to be riding a, a KTM or a you know Husqvarna or anything else you're more than welcome to come along um, you, you're right it's just way too tribal mm. and uh, I'm not actually sure how we can fix that um, yeah maybe we um, should chuck up a poll or a post up on um, the Facebook page and go hey how do we fight against the tribal nature of motorcycling and see if anyone's got any better ideas than us because um, I'm drawing a blank. I think social media's got a lot to answer for in that as well. But, I mean, it was happening before social media. It's just uh, probably a lot more um, a lot more prominent now that everyone can have an opinion and voice it so freely. Yeah. Well, what, you know what they say about um, opinions. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right, so for any for more on any of these stories we have mentioned, or if you just want to dive more deeply into the story behind any of these topics, uh, onthrottle.co.nz is Matt's website. It is full of news, reviews, features, and links to not only Kiwi Rider Podcast, but Kiwi Rider Magazine, and uh, a whole lot more. Matt, you're chucking stuff up there almost every day. Um, I try around child wrangling and brewing beer. But it's definitely, uh, you're definitely the first person to uh, bring the stories, break the stories here in New Zealand, which uh, we appreciate. And, um, of course, you port those news stories, not only through to the podcast, but through to the magazine as well. So go to Google, type Kiwi Rider Jumag, J-O-O-M-A-G, and you can read the latest Kiwi Rider magazine absolutely free. Hit that subscribe button. Fill out your email address and that magazine will arrive in your inbox uh, twice a month, just like that. Okay, forgive the rain uh, and the sound of the rain in the background. In the garage on a rather damp evening, weekday evening, bloody cold and dark outside as well. But the garage is a good place to be. And I want to talk luggage. Uh, I've been running the uh, Krieger OS system, as far as luggage goes, for about three months. Got it in my hand. You can't see it. Podcast, non-visual medium and all that. However, I'll talk you through it because I think it's quite cool. Uh, Good points and bad points, though. A balanced uh, opinion here. Uh, So the Krieger system for the Tenere 700, um, I went for the soft mounted luggage. The Krieger OS base is this piece of strapping and material that kind of goes over the pillion seat on the bike. And if I string it over there now, I can talk you through it. 
There's a couple of oversized lugs that go on the, uh, the rear luggage points. They screw in, they're a bit longer than the factory ones, and you put a strap over them, and then you run uh, a strap from the front of the base unit around the pillion peg and back up and clip it on itself. And that's attached to the bike. Then you get uh, two or three soft bags. Now I've got the OS12s, I've got two 12 litre bags that have four mounting points on the OS system. So they're nice and tight and the bags themselves are double layered so they're black on the outside then they've got a white inner with a velcro around the lip. They're a roll top system, roll down, clip, clip, clip and then one clip over the top. Nice and secure. So nothing's ever going to get out of them and I reckon they're 99.5% waterproof. Uh, I did have one little issue where I was doing a river crossing and I dropped the bike. It wasn't deep so nothing happened to the bike but one of the bags got fairly wet and it got a little bit of water inside. So not 100% waterproof, but if you're talking touring and it's a bit wet, yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty good in that respect. So the 12 the litre bags that I'm running, as I said, have four mounting points to the OS system and they're, they're pretty secure. Now, the mounting points, one mounting point at one end, and it's kind of this big long strap that goes around the bag and has a mounting point at the other end. So whatever's in the bag is gonna be nice and secure because that mounting point, put them on, you fill the bags, then you put them on the bike and then you do the straps up, you know, firmly and they're not going anywhere. So the Krieger OS, I think it's called the OS24 because I've got two 12 litre packs. It's quite good actually. Uh, I went away to the uh, Triumph Tiger Adventure ride. I had one bag full of clothes, one bag full of tools, and I was pretty sorted, to be fair. Um, when I got to where I was going, I uh, emptied one bag and then spread the tools and the tire tubes and all that sort of jazz between the two bags and left them on the bike for the duration of the ride. So I... They were they were really good. They were they were really solid. They don't intrude on you uh, when you're riding because the base system goes over the pillion seat. There's still quite a smooth area for the pillion to sit on, so it's not like they're sitting on something rough and horrible. And the base system could stay on the bike. Uh, you can take the bags off the base system, or you've got many 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 different tie down points to add more bags to as well. So you could have the base system on the bike with the OS12s or the OS18s. They're quite a bit bigger and, and, and I'll talk about that a bit more shortly. And then you could get another one like a roll top bag or maybe a tent or something to go on top of that and you've got plenty of places to tie down too. So you'd be keeping your weight nice and low because you've got you know the bags on either side. I think it's a great system. And it would also protect the back of your bike if you dropped it. The bags themselves are uh, quite heavy duty canvas. They, they give the impression that they're, they're there to be used. They're not fragile. So I quite like that. And then the inners, which are white, which believe it or not, gives great visibility inside the bags. It means you can see quite a bit. You can find the thing you're looking for. They've got Velcro around the lip of the bag. They're removable and washable, and they're obviously waterproof as well. So I think that's brilliant. I really like them. One thing that I don't like about the Krieger system, 
And it's, is it the only thing? It's the biggest problem I've got with it. I'm gonna take it off my bike now. And I'm gonna look at the thing I don't like. The thing I don't like about the Krieger system is, and if you haven't looked at the Tenere 700, Google a picture of the Tenere 700 and look at the rear quarter panels. So it's kind of like if you were thinking about a dirt bike, the number boards, the rear number boards above the swing arm and the rear wheel. They're angular, so they come down on, a, I want to say like a 45 degree angle from the pillion seat. And then there's a corner and they drop vertically with the, on my bike, the white sticker and the Yamaha logo. And across there, right on that corner, which is, I assume, red paint, it's been rubbing. So the base unit with the bags has been rubbing. And so I did an adventure ride, it was dusty, it was dirty, there's a bit of grit got in there. And there must have just been that little bit of movement behind the OS base unit, base um, kit, on the fairings. And it's rubbed away the red paint and left the black plastic underneath. So there's been a bit of damage to the bike. Now, I was a bit of a noob and I didn't think about the fact that I probably should have covered it. And it's quite common. And you're probably screaming down the phone or screaming down the uh, podcast at me now saying, why didn't you cover cover it, you idiot? Um, you can get you know some clear Duracell or some some clear tape even and just cover up those rub points so you protect your fairings. I didn't do that. I didn't even think of that. It wasn't a thought that crossed my mind, so I didn't. But I should have. And so since I've had this conversation with somebody else and I've mentioned the rub marks on the bike, they said, oh, why didn't you do that? And I went, oh, well, fair enough. That's probably something I should have done. And I have been doing it. And so I went to Mitre 10 and I got some quite thick, quite heavy-duty Uh, clear tape and it's uh, I'll tell you what it's called in fact I got some it's made by Norton and it's professional all-weather tape and it's in the painters section so I I covered the back fairings the rear fairings on the T7 with that and then I put the panniers back on Um, so that was like it's it's a it's a little thing But if you like your things to look nice like I do, like the Tenere 700, I have so so many comments about how clean I keep the bike. I'm I'm literally every sunny weekend, I'm cleaning it. So if if you're like me and you want to keep your things nice, that's an option that you might want to think about if you're looking at putting the OS base Krieger on your bike. Um, that's kind of the biggest downside to the bike, uh, to the, the Krieger's luggage system. Um, I really like the way it looks. It's black. It's got some touches of fluoro. I've mentioned that previously with the, uh, the gloves that I've been running recently, that I'm, I'm a sucker for dark colours with a touch of fluoro. If you've seen the, um, the LS2 Pioneer Evo helmet that I run, it's, it's black and charcoal and grey with streaks of fluoro. So I really like that. And I've said if I had the choice of colour of the uh, Tenere 700, although now I've got the competition white one and I really like it, if I had the choice of colour, I would have gone with the black. That's that's kind of the biggest downside to the uh, Krieger OS system. That said, though, uh, the benefits far outweigh the negatives. Once you cover your fairings with a bit of tape or something to protect it, then no dramas. Uh, you can run the Krieger system 
if I didn't have the Ventura tail bag, which I find just that little bit easier, uh, you know, just a bit quicker, I can chuck the wet weather gear in that and do up a zip. Where the Krieger system, it's undo the clip that goes over the top of the bag opening and then undo the two side clips, unroll, do what you need to do inside the bag, then roll it back up, do up the two side clips and then do up the top clip and then tighten all the straps. Call me lazy, but it's just a couple more steps between you and getting your wet weather gear on or chucking something in the bag. Brilliant for a road trip. A road trip or an adventure ride, I would definitely be putting the Krieger stuff back on the bike for that. But for commuting, unless I needed it, I keep it off. I don't ride with it all the time. That said, if I'm going into work and I need to take a change of clothes and some wet weather gear and some other stuff in the tail bag, then I'll chuck it on. It's not a major. It's only a couple of minutes to to put it on the bike. But just for quick ease of use, um, daily commuting, I, I don't run it every day. Now, as far as sizing goes, uh, I initially got the two 12-litre panniers with the OES base because I thought the next size up would be too big. But having used it, although I have never really needed more space, I have wondered if if I should have got something bigger. So let's talk about the options that are available when it comes to the OS system, the Krieger OS system. So as I said, you get the OS base, which has a mounting point at the front and a mounting point at the back. Generally, it goes onto a couple of luggage clips at the back and then goes around your pillion pegs or something like that at the front. And from there, you can attach any of the Krieger OS adventure packs. Now, I got the Krieger OS 12s. I got two of those, and I haven't had a problem as far as space goes, but bearing in mind, I've also had the ability to carry a tail bag and a backpack. So if you don't want to carry a tail bag and a backpack, then probably the Krieger OS 18 Adventure Packs would be the way to go. I initially thought, "Mm, maybe that's just a bit too big. And I've since thought, well, maybe I should have got them instead because there's just so much more gear availability of space. Okay, let's let's talk let's talk about the adventure rides that Matt and I did uh, towards the start of the year. We went away and did the Molesworth the Rainbow and basically rode from Wellington to Hammer Springs in one day and then rode back the next day. If you're just doing a simple overnight, then the OS12 is fine. A set of the OS12s is fine, I should say. But if you wanted to do a bit more than that, then you might want the 18s. I think if we were going to go and do a night or a couple of nights camping, then a set of the 18s would be ideal, a backpack and space to strap on a tent or something like that. It depends kind of how much gear you want to carry. When I went away to do the uh, Triumph Tiger Adventure Ride, as I said, I had the two 12-litre packs on the bike. I had a tail bag. I think I had the 22-litre Ventura Evo tail bag and a backpack and I had heaps of space don't get me wrong I had heaps of space but uh, I still think maybe the 18 litre packs would have been a good idea and then I wouldn't need to carry a tail bag or I wouldn't need a backpack or something like that but it really comes down to how much weight you want to carry on the bike I mean I'm probably uh, overloading the bike as far as weight goes for the spring that's in it with my weight plus the bags that I've got at the moment You can also get the uh, Krieger OS 6 Adventure Pack, which is, uh, you know, half the size of the 12s, 
which would be good for a day pack. Maybe uh, a good combination would be a set of the 18s or the 12s with a 6 on the back as well as a tail bag because you do have that option as well. Uh, so the Krieger gear is available from motogear.co.nz. It's all online and there's, uh, there's actually other options as well as far as pannier racks and things if you want to keep, uh, keep your bags off your fairings. The reason I went with the soft, the soft mounting system as opposed to some big racks on the bike is I feel like the, the slimness of the bike is counteracted by having big pannier brackets on the side of the bike. Sure, the pannier brackets might uh, protect the back of the bike if you drop it. And we all know with the Tenere 700, the exhaust is a weak point. If you drop the bike on that right-hand side of the, of the bike, you are likely to damage the exhaust, bend it in, scrape up your, potentially scrape up your swing arm as well. So um, if you have some brackets out there, you might save your exhaust. So that is options as well, but uh, I just went for the soft mounting. And I hope that's given you an, an overall idea of what Krieger can do. I mean, it's it's a brilliant gear, it really is. And I've heard anecdotal stories of people who've had Krieger back, backpacks and, and luggage for over 10 years and it's still waterproof. So there's no complaint with the quality there. It's just how you decide to mount it and uh, hopefully you don't fall prey to the same little issue that I had with the damage on the bike. But um, that said, when you put the Krieger gear on the bike, you don't see the damage because it's covered up. Uh, I really do kind of wish I had the Krieger OS system when we did the Molesworth and Rainbow trips. It meant I would have been able to carry a lot more luggage. Of course, I had no panniers on the bike for that. But yeah, motogear.co.nz. Have a look there for the Krieger OS system, the bags and the OS base as well. I do quite like it. I do. Uh, and I have no regrets getting it. And of course, it's available for a lot more bikes than just the T7. So uh yeah, get amongst, have a look. If you've got any questions, love to hear from you on the social media, Facebook or Instagram. You can always get hold of us. Just search Kiwi Rider Podcast. And for a stink load of photos on social media, go to Instagram and search T7 Adventures. Uh, that's the channel that I set up just for T7 spam because I don't want to, you know, spam everybody with the T7. I'm aware that... Uh, not everybody likes the bike as much as I do. So T7 Adventures on Instagram, if you want to give us a follow, that'd be great. And you can check out all the photos of that Krieger luggage. Love to uh, love to interact with you on the social media. As I said, if you've got any questions, sing out. But yeah, that's um, that's my thoughts on Krieger. Uh, motogear.co.nz is the website for anything you want from them. They also supply to all the motorbike shops, so head into your lo- local motorbike shop and ask for it by name. That pretty much rounds up the episode. Uh, Matt, thanks very much for uh, for taking the time to join us. Looking forward to catching up uh, next this weekend uh, and going and testing out some brand new adventure Harley Davidson. This yeah, I need to. Uh, well, are you going to bring your Senna so uh, we can have a yarn as we go along? Why not? I could bring my Senna. <laughs> are you going to bring the the fifty S? Yeah, well, um, it's the only intercom I've got now. So um, yeah, I wanted to make a Cardo happen, and um, yeah, just other things took priority. So um, yeah, I've got my fifty S. It's on the wrong helmet at the moment, so I'm going to have to swap that over. And um, you're not you're not going to bring your uh, Harley Davidson branded thirty thirty K, is it? No, I don't have that anymore. I um, gave it to someone that owned a Harley. Oh right, 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 right. Well, it might work better for them. Yeah. 
Yes, so um, I think it probably would. Well, I haven't heard back from them, so I assume it did. Uh, what, what what are you going to be running? Because uh, we were going to be told that we are going to be decked out in some Harley gear, but that isn't happening due to global shipping constraints. Um, you're going to run the, the Evo helmet, the Scorpion? Yep, so I'm going to run the... Um the scorpion helmet with um, the flippy front. I'm going to have my uh, DJI Osmo action cam on the front uh, with this little strap on mount because it's um, a bit handier. I might take my goggles just if it's inclement weather. I've kind of got this thought that if I'm wearing my um, goggles, which are the Oakley um, ones that are good for people of bespectacled vision, um, I figure if we're wearing goggles and it's raining, I might get a wet nose, but my glasses aren't going to fog up, which is a right pain in the ass. Uh, so I'm going to take those with me. Uh, yep, yeah, as I said, center, uh, my Moto Dry gear. Um, I've got an extra uh, super cheap auto bought it on special raincoat to um, chuck in as well, just in case um, it gets a bit torrential. I've got no idea what the weather's going to be like. And um, my lovely, well, my former adventure boots and my lovely Triumph Malvern gloves that um, the nice man at Triumph Mike Cross gave me a couple of years ago because it was um, the middle of winter and I was wearing summer gloves and he felt sorry for me. (laughs) Uh, Long range forecast for Nelson is 60% rain on Saturday. Uh, But I mean, it's a long range forecast. Yeah, we'll see how we go. Um, Hopefully it's not pouring with rain, but um, either way, it's going to be a test and um, at least if it's raining, or has been raining, there won't be as much dust on um, Port Underwood Road. So. Uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, hit that uh, like button, hit that subscribe button, and share this podcast with a writing buddy of yours if you would love to do that. If, if you would do that, we would love you for it. Um, love to hear from you if you've got any input, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, into the show. Uh, you can email me, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. You can get hold of us on Facebook or Instagram as well. Um, just search Kiwi Writer Podcast. I've been Ray. I've been Matt. You almost forgot how to do that. <laughs> uh, keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you live from Nelson in seven days' time. Yeah.